Hi, I'm Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. And what you are about to hear is a segment called Playing With Problems. It was originally aired as the Playing With Problems Podcast and is now officially folded into the Dream Mason Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Success is a broad term that carries only arbitrary meaning. In Western cultures, we often attribute it to money, fame, and power. But money without joy, peace, love, spirituality, and health doesn't equate to a great life. Often, it equates to a miserable one. Hi, I'm Alex Terranova. As a business and life performance alchemist and coach who's coached hundreds of successful people, I have learned the secret to a great life is about creating a life you love the experience of living. It's not about how much money you make, how big your company is, How many abs you can count, the boat you own, the models you've slept with, or the trips you've taken. A great, successful life feels good. It's the result of choosing your purpose and living with commitment, integrity, love, play, and faith. Each week on Playing With Problems, I will sit down with one successful person. They might be successful in money, love, leadership, health, spirituality, or maybe they're thriving in various areas. And we'll explore who they are and what they've accomplished but every podcast does that. What makes this podcast unique is we'll also dive into and play with the current problem they're experiencing. See, there's this cultural myth that makes us believe that once people are successful, they don't have problems. We all have problems and it takes a courageous person to share theirs. The show isn't about listening to a problem that's been solved. Our guests will bring a vulnerable issue they're currently challenged by and we'll work and play together to get clarity, answers, new perspectives, ideas, and maybe even a solution. I invite you to experience these conversations as if they are about you. If you listen and watch through yourself, your relationships, finances, fears, challenges, successes, and problems, these conversations could change your life. Welcome to Playing With Problems. What's up? Welcome back to Playing With Problems. This show is still in its infancy and it is still, I'm still finding my way in this show. Our guests are still finding their way to me and it's exciting because the people that are showing up for this show are are far more multidimensional than I I think I've expected and also more multidimensional than a a lot of other shows that I've hosted. I'm finding that the people that have the confidence and the courage to come on a show like this, where they're willing to open, like kind of open up the, you know, their, their bulletproof vests or their, their armor and actually expose themselves have this, um, almost have this aura of, of humbleness and gratitude and wisdom that they're, they're committed to sharing and they're willing to put themselves, I want to say like on the chopping block to make that possible. And our guest today is fits right into that, that description. Um, I think his, uh, his background and his bio is, is going to impress you. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him right now. So he's an eight year veteran of the national football league, and he's a super bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And He's an emotional intelligence specialist and an integrative psychological professional. 
He uses his psychological expertise as a keynote speaker and motivational speaker. And he serves as an executive mindset coach for former pro athletes, entrepreneurs, C-level executives, and other high-level performing professionals. Through his own professional journey in business and sports, we're going we're gonna to learn about how he's, I want to say like a little bit about how he's healed himself, how he's created the life that he lives, um, but how he supports other professionals to take full control of their mental faculties, develop greater emotional discipline, and access their untapped inherent talents to elevate their abilities in their careers and their overall life. He's a passion for helping professionals realize that success is simple. And I love this. If you know the basic instructions of mindset mastery. Welcome to Playing With Problems, Chukio Kobe. How you doing, man? Hello, I'm, I'm feeling great, man. I really appreciate this opportunity to open up and just share my perspective. Hopefully people get something out of it. Dude, I, I shared with you before we started it's really cool to see, you know, like a second life from you, right? Like not, I don't, we don't know each other personally. We just recently met, but we we, were, so we started talking about how athletes, right? Like if you're going to make it to the level, to professional level, if you're going to make it to any high level, you, you are the most disciplined and the most committed. Not only do you have the talents, but the discipline, the commitment. And often when a career ends, Guys are like, men and women are like, wait, what now? I've spent my whole life with my energy and my focus on this one thing. And what I loved about reading about you is this whole new chapter. It's like a sequel to your life that mm -hmm. is that, yes, you work with athletes, but what you're doing is completely different. And I'm curious, how did that even, like, how did that even happen? How did you go from football to this mindset, psychological work? It's, it's really interesting. You know, thinking back to when I first got into neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, it was through football. My intention in learning about this integrative psychology stuff and really setting the mindset, controlling your hard drive, if you will, so that you can operate optimally as, as an athlete. You know, like, like, for example, back then when I was 18, I first started doing this stuff, I came up with a mantra and that was the mind cabans the body obeys, the mind commands, the body obeys. And so that's how I got into it. And it's, and it took me far. I mean, I mean, I started four years in college um, playing football in the big 10 at Purdue. I was drafted by my hometown team and played eight years in the NFL, went in the Super Bowl along the way. And so, you know, learning this mindset work that I share with other people and teach to different companies and clients is the same things that got me that Super Bowl level success way back then. And then just like you said, once you guys are done playing the sport that they focus their whole life on, it doesn't matter if it's football or it doesn't even matter if it's a woman because we're all humans. And so if you focused your efforts into one thing for an extended period of time, there's a, there's a grieving process, to put it in the simplest terms, is the grieving process of that loss. And I went through that at a, at a very, very deep level. And I couldn't really figure out you know, how to get past it, get through it, or to make sense of it as it was happening. And so when I turned my attention back to NLP, I started to go back to the strategies and the things I learned that helped me to find success in football. I just wanted to feel good again. I just wanted to feel like myself again. 
And so through that and learning from my teachers, you know, Dr. Matt James and this company, um, they really helped me to regain control. And so that's where I decided once I learned these basic principles about how the mind works and more importantly, how the emotional body works, how the, the, the human emotional experience and how it all intertwines. When I learned these simple principles or basic instructions, if you will, that's what really helped me turn things around. And so that I realized that playing football in the NFL, making it to the Super Bowl, all these cool things that I've done, I thought I had made it. I thought that was the goal. Only to find out at a later point in life that, no, that was just part of what you needed to do in order to meet your objective and discover your path in life. And that's to wake people up to how much control they do have over their self, their thoughts, their emotions, and more importantly, their life. So I, got, I was thinking about this as you were saying, and I got to ask, when you were 18 and you started playing, right, like in, and being curious and, and exploring NLP and, and this kind of work, when I was 18, I was a baseball player, not a football player. If I had done that, my boys would have been all over me, right? We would have, there would have been like a lot of like, I probably would have had some embarrassment or some fear to go do something like that. Mm -hmm. Was that at all your experience? Like, well, the first thing I thought is, man, this guy had courage at that age to be going to explore this is not the norm. Right. Well, now that you, the way you asked the question, honestly, I did feel that way. That's why I never told anybody. Mm -hmm. And so that was the big thing was, it was all about, controlling my mind I didn't really care you know what other people thought or didn't think it was more about getting the results that I wanted on gridiron on the field and, and meeting my higher objective of winning a big 10 championship going to the NFL and this was my advantage that was the way I looked at it it's like it's, if everybody knows that everybody else is going to do it and then I have no advantage and then you have the the, the social consequences of doing something yeah. different so, yeah, the way you asked the question, I realized that, yeah, I did feel like that. And that's part of why I kind of kept it to myself for so long. How did you even get introduced to it at that age? It, it's funny because it's a lot of times you think outside the box when you find yourself in a difficult situation. And so when I was coming out of high school, I wasn't highly recruited at all. I only had one scholarship offer, and that was to Purdue. Not a bad offer not a bad option at all big 10 football yeah. plus my mindset back then was well i can only play it for one team so i, I met my objective the thing <laughs> is, after my first year the coach that gave me the scholarship jim coletto he resigned and i freaked out i freaked out it literally felt like the experience i had my dad leaving all over again and i was having panic attacks you know hiding in the bathroom stalls in my dorm just crying by myself and this went on for a while and then you get to a point where, you know, I, I, I have to accept this loss that he's gone, but I'm still here. I'm still on this team and I still have the same opportunity. So it's up to me to take advantage of it. Now we're talking about Big Ten football. So you're talking Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and everybody's doing what they got to do to prepare physically to win on, on the field, you know, lifting weights, watching film, doing everything they need to do, as am I that doesn't give me any advantage. And so it's like, I need something more. I need to know something that they don't know, something that's going to give me an advantage. And, you know, I, the thought of using like performance enhancing drugs never crossed my mind. Is it like, cause that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to work in the short term because it's against the rules. It's not going to work in the long term because of the consequences of doing it. 
So I had to find something else. Didn't know what to do. My thought back then, because I was just 18 when coach resigned. And my thought was like, just go look in the trash, find something that nobody else wants anymore. And and if you know, if it's not something that everybody knows about, then this could be an advantage. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I didn't go to literally look in the trash. I, I kind of took that metaphorically when it came in my mind. And so I went to a used bookstore on campus, not knowing what I was going to find, but I just figured this is all stuff that people didn't want. And almost as soon as I walked in the door, it's like the, the book jumped off the shelf at me. And the title of this book is The Secret of Creating Your Future by Dr. Tad James. And I said to myself, that's exactly what I want to know. And so I grabbed the book and I sat down on this dirty floor and, and I just start going deeper into it. After a couple of minutes, I read a couple of pages and I was like, I don't understand a word this guy's talking about. <laughs> and so I remember putting the book, I put the book down, started to get up off the floor. And it was like the title was glowing at me. The secret to creating your future. I said, I got to know this secret. And so I sat back down and just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into it. I said, eventually it'll make sense. I will make sense of this. And so as I'm reading it, all of a sudden, it's like something just clicked, like a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, I think I get what he's saying. What Tad James is saying is, for us human beings, your world is not actually out there. It's in your mind. And with this neuro NLP stuff, I didn't know what it was back then. <laughs> NLP stuff he's talking about, humans can learn to control what's in their mind. So my logic at 18 was then, well, with NLP, I can control my world. And I bought the book and that was my start on this NLP journey. And, you know, I kept it to myself. It was, it, I saw it as my advantage, my secret weapon. It was what made me Superman. Oh. And so I never told anybody, didn't tell coaches, didn't tell my mom, didn't tell my roommates or my teammates. I just showed up every day in practice. I just showed up every day on, on the field. And that, that was the objective. I was getting my result and everybody was benefiting from it. And so from there, you know, it was, it was very contextual. So to me, this was my football advantage. I did use it socially and I used it academically in, in different ways, but my main focus was using NLP and football and then especially going to the NFL. Now, you know, I don't need it and I don't need it to get better grades. I don't need it to prepare for a test. So I only really used it in football. And when I left football, that's when I kind of got away from that because I got away from playing football. And to me, that was part of it. And that's when things kind of started going awry. So it brought me back to NLP and here we are, basic instructions. Man, I love it. Thanks for telling us that story. You're, um, there's two things that I got. One, well, there are more than two things, but two things I want to, two or three things I want to highlight. One is that when your coach left, you said it was like my dad leaving all over again, right? That imprint of abandonment that you didn't do anything your dad left right but at some i don't know how old you were when that happened but it like it like lodges itself in us bodied and mentally mm -hmm. and then the next time somebody leaves especially somebody that probably had like that father figure kind of like vibe mm -hmm. it triggers that same exact feeling and and the response right i can't imagine you know i was in college i can't imagine a what position did you play i played offensive line i was center all right, so some of the biggest guy on the team, mm -hmm. 
crying in the bathroom, like hiding away. Not that people knew or saw you, but like the visual of that, right? That's not what we expect. Right. Um, and I think, right, like that was, it was like a reaction. It was like this thing happened and you got pulled right back to like your inner child, scared, fearful child. Right. Um, but what I, what like that just resonates so much. And I know there's so many people that have abandonment, right? It doesn't even have to be your parents left. It could be they died. Could mm -hmm. be somebody like a, a brother or sister or best friend. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But then that hole that got created, that challenge became that opportunity, right? You went from, like you said, being, hey, one, one college recruited me and freaking out to going from that to the NFL, that thing became your opportunity. And I yeah. love that because I, I think you would agree with me that all of our challenges, no matter what they are, they can be our, our downfall or our biggest problem, or they can be our biggest opportunity. No, precisely. I mean, the biggest thing is understanding emotions, you know, and, and that it was an intense emotional moment. One of the things that in later years, I could easily look back on it and look at it as a traumatizing experience. And so I think the word traumatizing is thrown around too much. Because it it's not as it's not always as difficult and challenging as you know something somebody who was deployed and you know whose friends were you know taken away by an IED exploding underneath them. It's it's not always that intense. Trauma is just it's that reminder like you just described. It's like experiencing something that triggers a memory from the past. And so it's, and it's just recognizing that this feels the same as that. And so that's where a lot of times when people have flashbacks and whatnot, that's all that's happening. It's just a trigger. And that I'm having, I'm having a, an internal experience that I've had before. Yeah. And so the thing is, when you understand the emotional body, the, the human emotional experience, it all emotions are is communication from self. The thing about it is, that communication is up for interpretation by the individual, the only one who's feeling it. And so when you look at a situation like that, you're like, you know, my dad, my parents split when I was about seven. I, we had to move out of Pittsburgh after a couple of years. Cause even though we weren't in the same house, parents are still going at it and it was creating a lot of drama. And so we ended up moving. I went to six different schools before high school because I was always the new kid. And it all goes back to like, you know, if dad didn't do what he did, then I wouldn't have had to suffer through that. And so when I finally found a home, found a place where I fit in, a freshman going into college where everybody in my class were all new. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, you know, standing out because I'm unfamiliar or I'm not from here. Now all of a sudden we're all in this together. And all of a sudden the dad, figure leaves again the emotions get triggered especially after all i've experienced in all those years between and so all of a sudden it's like i thought i was i thought i was done with this i thought i was done and then all of a sudden coach coletto leaves and it's here we go again now that's the reaction the thing is that emotion's there as long as i'm feeling it it's communication for myself that i have to I have to interpret from what does this mean for me? And so I don't know what it was back then at 18. I didn't know all the things I know now, 
all I knew was that this sitting here crying inside to myself, this, this can't be life. I mean, if I want to decide to let this moment define me for the rest of my life, I'm 18. I'm a freshman. I just got here. He's leaving. That's just a, that's the end of his chapter here at Purdue, but mine's just starting in what what happens in my tenure here playing for this program depends on me not him and so I decided I got to take control of the situation for myself and just making that decision it's happened numerous times throughout life since where you have to recognize the difficult emotions and learn to interpret them because if you if you misinterpret them you, the story you tell about what it means, it could derail your entire life. And the thing is, in the end, you would have been the one to cause that derailing and not even know it. I love that. The cost of like misinterpreting your emotions. Yeah. So I think you've done, you've done it already, but I want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else you want to say. Uh, I think you've established to me in my mind why you're successful as a human being. But you said something to me before we recorded, started recording, which was success in the world versus success about how you feel about your life. So yeah. for you, why are you successful in how you feel about your life? Well, the biggest thing is, is I'm in rapport with my unconscious mind. And so that's a lot of times when people are experiencing, and, and I've done work in, in the mental health area. I do still work with a lot of different mental health nonprofits. But the biggest thing is what I've found in the people that I've helped overcome these things is the reason why they believe that they're depressed or they believe that there's something wrong with them or that they're not enough or they're not worthy or they're not lovable is they're just out of rapport with themselves. It's like you're feeling this emotion and you're interpreting it to mean there's something wrong with you. What if that's not the message? And so the easiest way to understand this, I always love to use this analogy to teach this dynamic. It's basic instructions, taking all this psychology and putting it in what I call NFL, normal functioning language. So I illustrate the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind dynamic. And one and anybody and everybody can it has this dynamic going on within them. And if you know the basic instructions, it's actually easy to take control. So I know when I was growing up as a kid, I would hear, I've heard it numerous times that humans only use 10% of their brain power. That's not true. That doesn't even make sense according to the rules of nature. So we use a hundred percent. It's just that there's two different types of thinking for us humans. And it's not an even split. You have a conscious mind, which is the mind we're engaging right now. I'm consciously here on Zoom talking to Alex. Then you have your unconscious mind or subconscious mind. I tend to use those terms interchangeably, so forgive me if I do. But you have that unconscious mind. And so what I want you to do is just picture your two minds, just two characters. There's a little, there's a little kid, a little kid, a little boy, Alex is you, but it's you at, let's say, age five. You know, you're happy, you're optimistic, you're loving life, you got big plans for the future. So that's, that's you, that's your conscious mind, little Alex. Then you have your best friend with you, your dog, 
and you have the leash. And your dog, he's five years old too. But here's the difference. You're a five-year-old human. He's a five-year-old Great Dane, much bigger and stronger than you, could totally overpower you, but he never would do that because dog is man's best friend. So he would never hurt you intentionally, but he's a dog. He doesn't think in a complex way as little humans do. And so your unconscious mind is in charge of everything in your experience except for thinking. So most people never consider stuff like, hmm, what's keeping my heart beating right now? How do I continue to breathe deep as I sleep, eyes blinking, digesting food? We can all agree that we are doing all those things, but we're not consciously aware of or controlling it. That's the dog, your best friend keeping you. I mean, the unconscious, the dog is what's keeping your heart beating. I don't know about you, but I don't have a better friend than that. I don't. But it's a dog. So think about this. <laughs> think about this. I have I got I have two dogs. And so I think about my dog Mika. She barks at everything. She barks at everything. Someone's walking by the house, she barks. If they got a dog, oh, she's really gonna bark. The wind blows, she barks. No reason. She's barking. She's always barking. I love her and I know she loves me. But I recognize that when she's barking, it's an uncomfortable sound. I don't like it. But how else is she going to get my attention? So when you think about the emotions, the, the anxiety or anger or fear or guilt, it's an uncomfortable feeling, just like a bark is an uncomfortable sound. That's a complex equivalence. And so it's up to me to interpret what Mika wants. Instead of just saying she's a bad dog for barking. But that's typically what we do as human beings is the dog barks. And we interpret that to mean something to avoid. What if it's, what if she's barking and barking? Imagine I'm in the kitchen, you know, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And all of a sudden she starts barking like crazy. I'm like, God, shut up. Somebody put her in the back room. I don't want to hear this shit. Forgive me for, for, for cursing. You're good. But yeah. what if she's barking because there's an intruder crawling in the window? Mm-hmm. She's barking because she's my best friend. Yeah. I was feeling upset. That was the dog, my dog, communicating with me when I was 18. Yeah. And the thing is, your unconscious mind loves you so much. It will not stop barking until you get the lesson. Mm. You're going to continue to feel it. As long as you keep misinterpreting it, it's going to keep coming back. Because I'm saying, Mika's barking. Cause there's somebody crawling in the window and I'm like, shut up. So she starts barking louder. If you don't listen to me, it could be, it could mean trouble for you. What you want could be in jeopardy. That's what I, that's the communication I got from my dog, my unconscious mind when I was 18. Yeah. And so from that point, especially when I got back into it, you know, when I was done with football is you start to recognize that every emotion is communication from self. And it's up to the kid, the conscious mind, you, to interpret it. And if you interpret it wrong, it's going to come up again. Because the dog loves you so much, your unconscious mind will not let you get away without getting this lesson. I love that. Basic instructions. It's so good. Um, I had a, I want to share this before I ask you the next question. I had an experience recently where I did a plant medicine journey. Yeah. And 
the second day of the journey was dark, right? It it like went in there and opened it like um it took the dog off the leash and showed me all that how vicious that dog could be. Right. But not like it, it wasn't that it was hurting me. It just showed me, I want to say like my own power, but in the darkness of it. Like how powerful that protection could be, right? Um, and the way I would view that is think about like how dangerous any of us could be if we snap, right? right. To all different degrees. And it's not that right. you're that person, but it's like what you're capable of. Yeah. So it was showing me this and and in this, you know, drug altered state, med plant medicine altered state, I was terrified. And I kept trying to get away from it. Kept trying to run away and get away because it was it was making me nauseous. It was making me sick. It was made, it, but it, and it wouldn't come out, right? I couldn't like let go of it in any way. And finally, at one point, I'm like lying on the floor of, a, of the bathroom. I can't even throw up. I can't even go to the bathroom. Like it won't let me get rid of this thing. And the, the toilet says to me, <laughs> you're not even worthy of me. And I think that was like the lowest, like a toilet saying you're not even worthy is like the lowest form of, I'm, you're not good enough for self-worth. Right. And somehow in that moment, I, I kind of, I, I like it all. There was some moment, something that shifted in, in my brain. And I looked myself in the mirror and I went, I'm just, I'm just too scared right now. I don't know what, I don't know what this thing I'm scared of even is. Uh, you know, I can't interpret it. I can't find it, but whatever it is, I'm too afraid right now. Mm -hmm. And I see, I can't run away. It won't let me, you can't run away from fear. Fear will like, uh, you know, pop over you and end up right back in front of you. It'll find its way. You can't run away. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we can't go through it. Sometimes it's just not the, the, we don't have that opportunity at every moment. Sometimes it's just not the possibility. And this, this awareness was, there's a third way. The third way is you can just fall in love with it. You can actually recognize that it's here for a reason and that if you just accept it and fall in love with it, I didn't know it would happen, but in that moment I did, and it just like dissolved and went away. Right. And I really, what I, what I'm, what I, that came up for me in that same way that when we were so quick to either run away from our emotions mm -hmm. or apply a quick label to them. Yep which the quick label is like our attempt to go right through them. But it's not really, that's not necessarily what the point is to go right through them or avoid them. That sometimes you're just supposed to sit, be with them and let them, right? To like be with your dog in a moment, whether it be, a, and to understand what it's trying to tell you or what it's trying to show you. Right. And in that, the next day, I got what, not only did I have a relationship, my, my relationship to fear completely changed, but the next day it opened me up to see what it wanted me to show me because I was willing to sit with it. Right. It happened like in a moment, it took another 20, the, the third day of the experience, but that third day wasn't possible without having that emo that emotional experience. A hundred percent. I mean, it, what you described is I, I could see the whole thing playing out in my mind as you're describing it. It is exactly what you experienced is what I want to get to more people. And that is that your emotions are just energy in motion, emotions. And so it's you, it's the energy that is you. And recognize that your unconscious mind, your dog loves you 100% unconditionally. And whatever it's bringing into your awareness, whatever it's making you feel, it's just 
getting your attention. And if I, every time the dog barks, you interpret it to mean something's wrong, then all of a sudden, anytime you feel anything, you're getting feedback from yourself that there's something wrong. But it's like misinterpreting emotions is like going to a restaurant in a foreign country. So like, imagine if I'm somewhere in, I'm in Croatia or something, I don't speak the language, but I'm with my friends, we're, we go into this restaurant, it's beautiful, food smells delicious, we're drinking, we're having a good time. So I don't understand any of these words on this menu, but I see different pictures. So I'm like, okay, this looks really good. So when the waiter comes being polite and just assimilating to the environment, I do my best to pronounce what I think this is, but I mispronounced it. So I say this word to him and he goes, okay, writes it down. I'm like, okay, cool. We're drinking. You know, you know that feeling when, the, when you see the waiter coming and the steam's coming off and you know your food's coming. So I'm excited. I'm starving. And that's, it looked delicious in the menu. And instead of what I think I ordered, in front of me, he puts a bowl of steaming liver stew. This isn't what I ordered. But according to him, it is. Because the label I said, whatever I said, that's what he heard. Yeah. And so if I, if every time I say, you know, I feel that fear and I think like there's something wrong with me is like this feeling means I'm not worthy. Yeah. This, so every time you feel it, the dog's getting trained. Yeah. You're training the dog to believe that you're training the kid to believe that every time the dog barks, it means there's something wrong with me. And, and you literally trained yourself that way. And the dog keeps barking to tell you that you're not accurate. You're misinterpreting. Let me say it again. And then you're like, somebody shut the dog up. I don't want to hear it. And he's like, let me say it again. I love you. I'm not going to stop. And you're going to continue to feel that emotion until, just like you did, until you get the lesson, until you get what the dog is barking at. Perhaps in your situation, the dog was saying, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Shepard, I'm just afraid. He's like, you're not afraid. That's not what this feeling means. Yeah. And I think even sometimes in my, my, I think part of mine was you, I need you to pay attention, right? Exactly. It was because what I'm about to show you, you need to pay attention for. And yes. I, the, the, the subconscious mind, the barking was to, to the, even the fear was to, to rattle me awake so much so that I could pay attention because yes. if I wasn't fully aware, I was going to miss the gold that it was about to give. So and that could be, and, and that could be to your and metaphors, it could, it could be that. It also could be a need, right? Just something that you're you're saying you need to yourself that you're not really? listening to. And, 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 and check this out. Every emotion is the dog. There's no such thing as good and bad emotions. They're all good. Yeah. They're all good. It's what we have are positive and negative emotions. It's like a battery. There's a positive and negative end to the battery. But we can agree there's no bad side to the battery. So, yeah, that anger, that fear, that guilt, that's the dog barking. But that happiness, that gratitude, that love, that's the dog bringing the tennis balls like, let's play. Yeah. It's all emotions are communication from self. And it's up to the kid to interpret what the dogs is, is attempting to communicate right now. And if you continue to believe 
that that feeling that we label fear means there's something wrong with me, then that's what you're going to experience in your life. And in the end, you continue to blame whatever's triggering your dog in your environment. You start to blame other people for why you feel this way. Blame your dad, blame your, your ex, blame whoever's in the White House, blame that side of the aisle. No, blame that side of the aisle. And it's like, no, you feel the way you feel because you're not listening to the dog and he won't stop barking because he loves you and he wants you to get the lesson. All right. So you've, you've done almost the impossible, which is making it to a professional sports league. Mm-hmm. You did something that's even almost more impossible, which is winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You have created a successful career for yourself. You've created a successful relationship with yourself and your mind. And I know we, you haven't said it on here, but you shared with me earlier that you're married. So you have, mm-hmm. a, relate, you have, a, you have a partner in this journey in life. I do. What's the biggest problem, challenge, obstacle that you're currently facing? Is getting people to listen to exactly what we just talked about. I want them to understand that you're in control. You have the leash and the dog loves you. Which means that whatever you're feeling inside that you perceive, or should I say perceive, interpret as a problem, you got the leash. So there's nobody else inside here but you. And so it's about understanding what do I need to do to get back into rapport with myself, to get back into rapport with my dog? How do I get the kid and the dog on the same page again? And that's the biggest thing. And it's so simple to do. And that's what really sometimes can get my dog to bark and feel a little frustrated because I don't, I don't like seeing people doubting themselves. It, it, it like, it, it bothered me to the point that my dog was barking so loud I couldn't hear anything else. And that's where the whole idea for basing instructions came from is that, listen, maybe my whole journey, my hero's journey of making it, you know, playing for my home team. I left home when I was a kid. I got to go back when I got drafted. I won the Super Bowl. I did all these awesome things, played with all kinds of Hall of Famers and superstars. And thinking that that was the objective. No, that was the self-evidence I needed to know the basic instructions of controlling that dynamic inside. And once you understand that, whatever it is you want in this world, no matter how lofty or unrealistic it might seem, it's a human experience that's possible. One man could do it. Another man could do it. If one man could do it, a woman could do it. If there's nothing stopping you, if, if a white person could do it, a black person could do it. And all these stories that we're telling about the dog barking, if that's what's stopping us. You know, it really, you know, the whole thing with, with why what I do in my coaching and speaking is called basic instructions is to take the, the esoteric, take the psychology and emotional intelligence and take all the jargon from that and put it into normal functioning language. And so the best way to understand what where my frustration came in, I'm not frustrated now, but is the best way to explain it is the Wizard of Oz. Now I live here in Kansas City and my wife and I, we, we moved here about almost five years ago. You know, I met people here in Kansas City who never saw the Wizard of Oz. 
which was just mind-blowing. I thought it was a requisite, but I digress. I know you've seen it, but I'll still give a little bit of the story. See, Dorothy thought she was in a crisis, sort of like I did when Coach Coletto left. Dorothy thought she was in a crisis. All of a sudden, everything's in vivid color. She's surrounded by these little people. What is that about? And who is this lady? Why is she yell- Why does she look like that? Her attitude is not working for me. What are you yelling about? Where do these shoes come from? This is too much. I can't take it. I just want to go home. So believing she herself didn't have the ability to get what she wanted to go home. She started asking everybody else, who's going to save me? Who's going to get me what I need? I know what you should do. Go see the wizard, Folly Elbert Grove. If anybody else, if anybody else can get you to feel the way you want to feel, this is the guy. I'm telling you, anything you want, the wizard can do anything. So she goes out of yellow brick road, meets those three characters. You know, doesn't think he's smart enough, tough enough, or brave enough. They just slowed her down, if you remember the movie. But eventually they get to to the result to what she believes is a solution, the wizard, only to, to learn what. There's no wizard. Dorothy, if you want this result, it's on you. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to take the necessary actions to get yourself home. So she's thinking to herself, why does it have to be so hard? I'm not asking for much. I just want to go home. Am I stuck in this situation? For I guess I'm stuck. I guess this is me. This is my lot in life now. But hold on. Why was that lady yelling about the shoes? Because Dorothy had those shoes the whole time. All the way down the Ellerick Road flying monkeys, trees coming alive. She got past that. To find to find out there's no wizard, you realize now it wasn't until somebody gave her the basic instructions of how the power you already have works that she realized how simple and easy it is to have whatever you want. And that is my path in life, to get that message to the human race. Like, enough with this. Enough crying in the bathroom stall. What are we going to do? And the thing is, if you don't know what to do, that's fine. I didn't know what to do. That's why I went to the store. Dorothy didn't know what to do. That's why she went to the wizard. And everything she went through on that trip, she had to, or she would have never got home. She would have never learned the basic instructions if she didn't, like you said, fight through that fear. If she didn't engage it and, and say, "What I, I'm going to do something to solve this problem," she would have never. She would have never learned how simple it is clicking three times to be, do, and have the human experience that you want. We're all Dorothy. All of us, black, white, candy, stripe, doesn't matter. We're all Dorothy. And to me, with that being said, being, doing, and having the human experience that all of us want is as simple as learning to click three times. And that is what my challenge is at this point, is to get more people to understand this. You know? Um, I got to share with you. I interviewed him at one point. There's a book called The Emeralds of Oz. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy who wrote it has, is the edited like Deepak Chopra's books. He's a, he's a former editor and he wrote, he basically wrote a whole book about all the wisdom in this movie, which mm-hmm. you just summarized very quickly, but it's a great book. Um, I want to, so let's just take your own what you just said to me, and I'm going to throw it back at you for your own problem, right? Your own, pro- the problem you have is essentially human beings are not getting the message mm-hmm. that you want to get to them. And it's not just you. There's other people sharing similar messages, right? But I can, right. we're clear on your passion and your purpose. So let me ask you this. How would you know 
if you succeeded in this mission? We would see a drastic shift in the global paradigm as it pertains to mental health. Okay, so we'll say it in NFL language. Okay. (laughs) If all we need for the general discussion around mental health to change is 1% of the human population to take control of that leash. And so the thing is, the this the way I would know is is to get in front of different get in front of more groups, more audiences to deliver this message, more people paying attention to because I'm you know, I appreciate that you appreciate my metaphors, but there's a lot of them on YouTube yeah. that yeah. people have not heard. Yeah. And so to me, it's like I can I'm only one person. I can't reach 80 million people one on one. Nine billion people. Well, yeah, I, I can't. I can't reach one percent of that. So, like, if it's nine bi- billion, okay. it's ninety million. Yeah. So, to me, but if I, if I can instill this clarity, wake enough leaders up, enough parents who can then impart it upon their children, enough CEOs who can impart it upon their their teams in the different departments, enough politicians to impart it on the people that live in their district, their state, their country. Yeah. Not everybody's going to listen, and that's okay. I, so I can't force anybody to listen. But the more leaders out there who are empowering people in this way, yeah. the world will change. It will change. So ninety million people, basically one percent shift, is how mm-hmm. we would know. Yep. And then, so there's not too many, but. We might say there might be a few people out there that have touched 90 million people, right? You know, there are some. Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan, right? Like there's, there's the Jordan maybe has, has impacted 90 million, maybe even Kobe and LeBron. Um, maybe, you know, the Dalai Lama. I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm making up maybe Oprah, uh, Oprah, Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. Like there's yeah. people who have created things and brought, and brought this value to our lives yep. that have changed the paradigm. Yep. So it's you know whether you love them or hate them, that's not the, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. What we're talking about is is they're impossible. Well, and it's possible, yeah. right? So that's all we're saying. So somebody's done it. What do you think for you? What's the difference between them and you? At the at the foundational level, nothing. I think the what's what's happening for me is I'm like everyone else in that I'm on my hero's journey. I'm on my journey and, you know, I'm fulfilling my purpose. And that is to bring these basic instructions to the world, you know, through my mission. My mission is how I'm serving the purpose. The mission is, is the, you know, the coaching, the the speaking. And there's a lot of different mediums. You know, I'm writing a book. I got different, you know, masterclasses. I've got, Mm -hmm content on youtube and social media and these are all just me serving my mission doing what i can to give this information you know especially when you only have i mean to get somebody's individual attention to focus on you it's 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 something that a lot of entrepreneurs people i coach like this is a big natural challenge when you have this mission that you're looking to accomplish and you need other people to you need their attention or you need their support in some way and so that, that the biggest 
uh, challenge is, you know, a lot of similar challenges with other entrepreneurs who are looking to get their message out there and are doing everything they can to add value to, to everyone's life. The thing is, getting them to see the value in what you're offering, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge, especially when their dog is barking so loud. What do you think is in your blind spot around this? Like, because right, none of us are, we all have a blind spot, right? I don't care if you're, you know, the Michael Jordan of, of any industry, right? We, there, there's a weakness, there's a blind spot, there's something. What do you think your blind spot is around getting this message out? Well, it's funny because I was, you know, having conversation with my wife last night, earlier today. And for me, I think my blind spot was pride. And, you know, having, and, and you deal with this with a lot of athletes. Now there's a, a lot of people who are being more open and more vulnerable, telling about their struggles. But it's like having had the success I had in athletics, you know, there's a, there's a persona that a picture that other people have of you. And, you know, at a, at a deeper level, you feel an obligation to uphold that. And so you always have to appear as if you got it all together. You have the answer. And so, you know, again, like I, like, like I said before we started, you know, the fact that I won a Super Bowl, football is not what I do anymore, but it will always precede me. People always see me as Super Bowl champion, Chuki Okobi. And I'm not ashamed of that. But that Super Bowl champion, it changes the way they interpret who they're listening to. And it's, it's easy for him to say, he's a Super Bowl champion. And so they'll explain away what I'm saying and stick to the story they, they, they've been telling the dog. There's something wrong with me. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. What does he know? He won the Super Bowl. And so to me, one, one thing that, you know, my wife has helped me with this a lot is being more vulnerable. And sharing more about that, you know, this, all of this, it didn't come easy. And without the pain I felt as a child moving around school to school, you know, feeling like I don't belong anywhere. Without the pain of Coach Coletto leaving, how could I even make sense of the joy of being becoming Big Ten champions? How could I even explain the happiness I felt when I got drafted, when I heard coach Bill Cowell on the other end of the phone and I knew I was going home. I couldn't even make sense of it if I hadn't felt that pain. If I didn't, if the dog didn't bark, I wouldn't recognize when, if it never rained, I'd never recognize the sunshine. So if you, if every time you feel pain, anytime you feel anger, you feel depressed, you feel anxiety, understand you're only perceiving one half of the dichotomy that is you the negative half. You're just aware of the negative half being active. But without this, you wouldn't even define it as pain if you, did, if you didn't have joy in there too. And so sometimes you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to, the dog's going to bark and you're going to have to go through something. And it's all for your good if that's the way you tell the story to yourself. So I want to come back to the like, the pride blind, the blind spot, the pride, 
what do you what do you need to understand so that you can like click your heels together three times you got to be humble just because whatever you accomplished whether you're you know high net worth eight nine figure guy whether you're an nba draft pick or a superstar you know hot shot wonder kid startup founder you gotta be humble and you continue to bring the value of what you do to the world at the same time it's important to connect with people where they are. They haven't got to that point in their story yet. And they're feeling like Dorothy wandering down this yellow brick road. And it's important for me to say, hey, I, I've, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. I've been on this, you know, you see, you see that carving on that tree over there on this yellow brick road? That was me however many years ago. You're not alone. And that's that's something that, you know, I'm actively working at doing a better job of. It, it, it can be a challenge to continue to maintain that persona of you know, Super Bowl, big time Super Bowl champion and still show people who Chuki really is and, and where I've been and what I've done. And that's what I, I really need to do more of and doing my best to do that even right now yeah something that 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 kind of that i felt that came up for me that i'm curious what you see for yourself is it's only one percent right you said that number and i i mean 90 million people like I, i'm probably with you if we impacted that many people in the degree that you want to something would change mm -hmm. um that means 99 percent you could let, you can actually just let go, right? Like, like 99 of a hundred people. I'm not saying you want to, right? We'd love to impact 5% or a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what would it be like? Cause I heard you say humble and then it's kind of hit. If you, what would it look like if you were to lean into trust and faith that the peep, that 1%, if all you did was speak your message and continue to share mm -hmm. that you didn't have to force anyone that that 1% would actually find you and the people whose dogs are barking too loud are just not your people. What would that feel like if you like leaned all into that trust and faith? It would feel the word that comes to mind is Pono. P-O-N-O. -O. And it's a Hawaiian word. And what Pono means is right. Mm. Just right. You're not, when I say right, you're not elated. You know, you're not jumping up like you won the prices right. You're not feeling down either. You're Pono. Everything's right. Everything's balanced. Like now, all of a sudden, we as a global community are starting to experience life the way humans are supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so that 1%, if, if I was to, you know, influence 1% of the people to take control of that dynamic inside, which is not hard to do, it's clicking three times. If you do that, the thing is, if there's that many people out there like that, it doesn't sound strange or woo-woo to the 99% anymore. Yeah. Now it becomes part of the norm. 
And so then at least the 99% know that that's an option. And so in, in just knowing that they have that option, they may choose to hold grudges. They may choose to, to, to be afraid. And that's their prerogative. That's their, that's the dignity they have as a human being is to choose. But if 99% or not, if you have 1% of the people out there that are open and are starting to do this inner work, then it won't seem so strange to the 99 anymore. Hmm. What's the, um, not, not looking at the, the 1% of the 99%, what, where do you get the most frustrated and challenged in your process? Just how people have a Python bow constrictor like grip on their disempowering stories and limiting beliefs. Like they're addicted to it. And, and when you say, you know, it's like, imagine hypothetically, just using the Wizard of Oz again, if Dorothy was over there freaking out in front of all of the, the, the little people, she's like, oh my God, the world is over. And just imagine if somebody came up to her and said, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, clicking your heels three times? And she was like, that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm a victim here. I believe this. That's how a, a lot of people are. Yeah. You don't know my story. You don't know mine. And so, you know, it, it's it's understanding that if there's nobody else inside but you, who's the narrator? Who's telling the story? And if you don't like that story, why do you keep telling it? Because it's upsetting the dog. And so to me, some people, some people connect, they, they relate too much to that yeah. negative energy. How, when you, when you, when you feel like you can't reach somebody, right. Whether it's a group of people or one person, how does that make you feel? Feels like I, I got work to do. I got to get better. And reason I say that is because my belief is the meaning of my communication is the response I got. Mm. So even I know what I meant to communicate, whatever, I don't know what they heard. I don't know what they interpreted. And so it's about me learning more flexibility in my, th in my thought processes, more flexibility in my ability to communicate and more respect for their model of the world. And so to me, if they're not, if, if I'm speaking to somebody and it's not landing, it's one or two things. Either I got work to do or they're just not ready. And I got to respect that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so, it's, it's uh, I think it's the most challenging thing about the work that you do, the work I do, anyone that's trying to, anyone that's trying to do something to help people, right? Like your intention is help or service or provide value. And mm -hmm. when, you know, whether they're holding on to the grip or they got us, you know, blocked away and you're like, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help. Um, and, and letting go, right. Us letting go of what you just said at the end feels really powerful. Like the flexibility to respect that they're just not there yet. Right. And they're exactly. not going to get there if we keep barking at them 
<laughs> that's, that's not gonna do anything. You know, that's not how that's not how nature works. We are all familiar with the law of attraction. You know, it's one of nature's laws, just like gravity. It's funny how there's no natural law of assertion. <laughs> there's, there's not, that's never gonna work. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. So it's it's about continuing to put this out there and influencing those that are open to and ready to receive it. And the more people out there who have received these basic instructions, who understand that they are in control, and it's just about learning how to take control. If there's, there's enough people, then one day when that person who wouldn't listen today, at some point in the future, Maybe I'm not even on this planet. Maybe I'm not even in this physical form anymore. But enough people know it now that they can get the instructions that they need when they are ready. If they ever, or they can decide to accept their life experience as a negative one and that they're a victim and life sucks. And if that's the story they want to subscribe to, that's their prerogative. And I don't, I say that with no angst at all. Like, listen, if some people, are attracted to the dark side of things. Some people like to fight. Mm -hmm. Some people like to watch the world burn. And I, I don't believe it's right, but that's a personal opinion. I still got to respect that I'm not them. So, you know. It's it's that thing that, um, the way you just said brings me really like back to that, the fear that I, that experience I had where I didn't have to like the fear I was experiencing. The, the lesson I got wasn't, you don't have to like this. It was like, but you do have to accept it. Then mm -hmm. the not liking it, pushing it away is only having it create more and amplify, which has you more in the dislike and dislike and more triggered. But as soon as I said, I accept it. Again, accept doesn't mean like, accept doesn't mean I want more. It just means it, it is what it is, mm -hmm. right? Then all of a sudden it like, it went away. It just, yeah. just you know what? It's it's like, you know, what the, just recalling your story. It's like when that toilet said, you're not worthy. You're like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Fine. I'm not worthy. And as soon as you were just like, whatever, everything calmed down. The dog got quiet. Yeah. Yep. So I want to, I want to kind of wrap us up. This feels like a good spot to me, but you, you can tell me how you feel. The, the thing that the last question I want to ask you, unless you want to, unless you want to keep diving into anything else is you shared with me, um, your blind spot is pride. Clicking your heels together three times would get, be humble. Pono is the way that it would be if, uh, you, you had trust and faith, um, flexibility and respect were um what came up when how it feels when when you aren't able to you know have the impact you want so if you were to bring pride humbleness pono flexibility and respect mm -hmm. to your journey and to your mission what would be different um i would feel i would feel a, a you know greater level of harmony in life and, you know, I would feel better than I did when we won the Super Bowl. It's because to accomplish all the things that I see for, for all the people who have dreams, it's just 
whether they achieve them or not, just them knowing that they can. I mean, how many people who were, who were bullied at school that ended up bringing a gun and, and shooting the people wouldn't feel the need to do that? How many people who, you know, have shortcomings, who have moments like I did when coach left, wouldn't go down the rabbit hole of crime, self-denigration, you know, doing all kinds of things, how much, you know, teenage promiscuity would stop? How many people would go out of their way to, would, would stop going out of their way to put other people down because they're different, because they love somebody of the same gender? or because of the color of their skin, or because of what neighborhood they're from, or because of what their political affiliation is, how much of that would stop if people's dogs would just calm down? And you would respect the fact that we're all having our own individual human experience. I would feel happier, not just happier for me, but you know, the confidence that I do live in a happier, world and part of a happier society and so that would that would make me feel like i fulfilled my mission yeah so if you brought pride humble pono flexibility respect and harmony to your mission is there anything you would do different any actions you would take that are different from what you're doing now no no i love i love what i do i love being me you know i'm not i mean I don't mean like the change you. I mean like, would it change? Would it shift at all? Like the actions you take, the things you do, the output, or the way you approach people. You'd still be you. I hear. I just, these are all. I, I, these are all your words. I, I wouldn't change. No, I, to me, I, I, I like my approach. I just want to get better at it. I just want to just elevate what I'm doing. Be able to communicate more clearly with more, more compassion, more aloha, and really help other people to start to see their world through a positive filter and get to, get to, get to know their dog and really enjoy, you know, like, oh, I got two dogs. And so I want other people to enjoy the experience of dog ownership. Yeah. Well, you know, what you actually said is, more more aloha and more compassion mm -hmm. yeah yeah maybe that would be a little different more but different in a yeah. good way yeah so anything you want to say or share as we as we wrap this up anything you else you need in this conversation no only thing i would say is to anybody out there who's in a situation in their life that they feel they can't get over. You know, somebody who's thinking about ending their own life, somebody who's thinking about hurting somebody else, people who believe that there's no, there's no chance that they're hopeless. Whatever, just you're just like Dorothy. Whatever you think you are as my mentor, says Dr. Matt James, whatever you think you are, you are so much more than that. All you need are the basic instructions of you. And you'll see get, getting to that Pono place, it's like clicking three times. Mm -hmm.
So people want to find if people want to find you, they can go to basicinstructions.com. Basicinstructions.com and and then uh LinkedIn, Facebook. Those those are the probably the two places. Okay. That would be easiest to find me. Don't click your heels together three times. So you're not gonna find you that way. That they got you. <laughs> oh, no, I, and on the next episode, I'll explain what a metaphor is. Yeah. <laughs> so don't don't actually click three times. So, but basicinstructions.com, Facebook, it, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. And my name's pretty unique. So, if you see somebody on there, I don't think I have that many fans. It's it's more than likely me. We'll put everything in the show notes too. Um, and I just want to thank you and acknowledge you. Um, you don't have to do this work. You know, you accomplished something that like millions of people want to accomplish already. You could have just said, Hey, I'm good. I, I hit my goal. I want a Super Bowl. I overcame the odds. I could just take care of my family and, and lean back. And that's like the complete opposite of what you're doing. That you, you just picked up a new book and started writing a whole new story. Um, and I'm just really present to the the love and the care that you have for humans that you first had to have for yourself, but then that now, because you have it so powerfully for yourself, it's just like radiating out of you. And I love those words that you said, you know, you are, to me, it speaks so perfectly. Like you are humbleness and pono and flexibility and respect and aloha and compassion. And thanks for being that man. And thanks for sharing that with us today. Well, I appreciate you recognizing that in me and I'm just my mother's son. And if I want that, or those words to be the definition of my mother's son, mm. that's who I, that's who I, you know, aim to be. And, you know, I'm, it's, it's a, it's an honor and a pleasure to, to bring this to the world. So thanks for having me. Thanks for this opportunity to share. Yeah, you're welcome. And everyone that's listening, um, please go to basic instructions and thanks for being here. And I hope you got value from this and we'll see you next time on playing with problems. Thank you for listening to playing with problems. I'm so grateful to you and our guests who are willing to come on and talk about and share so vulnerably. If you like the podcast, please like, and subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a successful person, who thinks you have a challenge or problem that you want to come on this show and talk about, or if you're a successful person and you feel like a more intimate, personal one-on-one -on -one conversation is more right for you, please reach out to playingwithproblems at thedreammason.com. Thank you for listening to Playing With Problems.